It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And you've got the Virtual Bible Study on your computer tonight. We're live and we're ready to go. This is the Virtual Bible Study for February 28th, 2008. Thank you for taking time to be a part of it tonight. We're looking forward to your questions or comments over the phone at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. Or send us your emails to questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you, as always, on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Looking forward to it tonight, and I hope there's a whole lot less blasphemy on the Virtual Bible Study tonight than there was last week. Yeah, we had an interesting interview last week with an atheist, and uh, uh, he did say some things that were just, I think, just downright blasphemous. But uh, hopefully we were able to uh, point out some of the errors of his philosophy, and uh, and we got quite a bit of good feedback from that program last week. I think we've got a good topic tonight, too, Jacob. That's right. We want to talk about uh, spreading the gospel, something that we also be interested in, Dad, if we do believe that there is a God and that he uh, expects things of people today, then we should be wanting to tell people that, and we want to talk about spreading the gospel. Well, yes, but we want to talk about it from this standpoint, too, and that is, why aren't we doing better? You know, I, I think there's a, a pretty good sense of frustration among Christians, and it should be frustrating, Concerning our inability to be able to convert our, our friends, our neighbors, uh, our co-workers, why aren't we more effective in reaching these people? You know, we talk about it quite a bit. I, I'm, I'm sure that most preachers preach sermons on it regularly, on the idea of doing personal work, personal evangelism, getting the message out. We try a lot of different things. A lot of different efforts are made and different plans are implemented. And yet I think most in most places, now there may be exceptions, but I think in most places people would say the reactions or the responses to all the effort that is made are pretty meager. At best, we'd say we're not getting a, a, a really fantastic response for our efforts. And our question tonight is, why is that so? Why can't I convert my neighbor? And we want to talk about that see if we can get to the bottom of that problem. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You put out a couple of questions earlier today for those on our update list. Run down those questions for us. Well, the questions we sent out to our update list, and again, we always remind those who are listening, might be some new listeners tonight, if you'd like to get our weekly updates about the virtual Bible study and about the topic for that that week, we send out a couple of poll questions uh, earlier in the day on Thursday and today we send out, and if you'd like to be on that list, by the way, just send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Just put in the subject line, add me to your list, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, the questions we sent out today were these. Number one, what do you think is the biggest factor that is making it hard to convert sinners? Um, what is it that's giving us all this trouble uh, why are we not being successful? What do you think is the biggest factor that's making it hard to convert sinners? And number two, what are some of the things that you or I might personally be doing that hinder the spread of the gospel? And so there may be lots of causes. And then as we get into the program, Jacob, we want to focus in on what might be some of the things that we are doing as Christians personally, specifically in our own lives that are, are counterproductive to the conversion of lost sinners. All right. Let us know your thoughts again on the phone or over the email tonight. We'd love to hear from you. This is a listener interactive program in which we all benefit from your questions or your comments on the program. So please take a minute to join in on the discussion if you haven't sent in your feedback to those questions so far. Jacob, let's start out by talking about sort of the religious atmosphere and the social, political, economic atmosphere in our country. And we're we're, now we've got we've got some foreign listeners. I, I know our friend Jake in Finland has chimed in on this already. So I don't think he's listening live. No, he's up, I, that, maybe he's got insomnia he, tonight. Yeah, unless he's staying up all night long. But he has sent us a response to our question, and he'll be listening, I'm sure. 
But typically here in America, we can talk about things in America and it may be pertinent in other parts of the world, too. But, you know, it just seems where we are that there's a, a really low amount of interest in spiritual things. And and there are probably some things that contribute to that. And among those things would be the fact that we are living in a time of, of real affluence. Um, I got an email here from our friend Phil up in Indiana uh, and he says, uh, well, no, that's not the one I was thinking. I want to read Phil's here in a minute. Al. It, in, it was Al. Maybe, Al in Florida. There it is. There yeah, it is. He said that uh, he believes it's the unexcelled prosperity has created a trust in uncertain riches. He references 1 Timothy 6, 17, Matthew 13, 13, and 22, and Luke 8, 14. And no perceived need of God in the remission of sins uh, the blood of his son affords, and so I think that's uh, that's the one. Company. That's the one I was thinking of. Al from Florida. Al, we appreciate you participating in the virtual Bible study. But he he's suggesting what I think is is a problem, and that is we live in such a time of abundance and affluence. People don't feel any need. You know, there's not a a, a, a real longing for anything better. We got it so good now. Why would we want anything better? Uh, I've heard lots of times people say what we need in order to turn people to God is a, a time of financial distress a depression or something like it that would cause people to look beyond the here and now and think about something more substantial it's interesting that al in florida mentions that and jake in finland we mentioned him earlier he referenced that as well he said people in the west mainly in europe and north america have abundance and do not need a god to give them their daily bread israel acted the same way when god blessed them this we can see in the old testament as an example of how not to behave Run to God only when we have a problem. And so Jake sees the same problem in Finland that we're seeing here in America is that we've got so much, Dad, there isn't really any need to think about God just from a, just if you're just in a physical perspective and thinking about what you need. We have so much, uh, people don't realize their need for God. I think that's right. In fact, we could track it historically, historically in times when it was hard times, economic hard times have shown a greater interest in religious things. I mean, that's that's provable from the historical standpoint. And so since we are in a time of great prosperity, Jake mentions it's the same thing in Europe. And so in times of great prosperity, there's typically been little interest in spiritual things. And, it, and I think Jake makes a good point, too, when he references Israel in the Old Testament. When things were going well, they forgot God. When things got hard, they cried out to God for relief. What about distrusting of uncertain riches that Al mentions in his email? Uh, you think that's a problem? It's a problem in people people in the world, probably a problem for people in the church as well. Well, in, in that passage that he mentioned, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, Paul said, Charge them that are rich in this world. Now, that would be us, right? Because we're rich in this world. Uh, I mean, we, we have an abundance, the, the likes of which... People couldn't even have imagined a few years ago. How can ago. you say that? You haven't seen my – you haven't even been prying around in my mailbox and got my bank statement? I'm just saying all of us who live in America or in Europe for that matter or any place else that's listening to the virtual Bible study, likely we live in a time of abundance. And so when, when the Bible says charge them that are rich in this world, it's talking to us. What are, you, what are we to remember? That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be ready or be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So, Paul said that riches are an uncertain thing. And that's certainly true. I mean, you may be doing well today, but that could all be reversed in a short order, and if all of your trust is in riches and you lose your riches, what have you got? Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said that you know, real wealth is not measured in money. If you could gain all the money of the world but you lost your soul over it, it wouldn't be a good trade. Uh, but a lot of people are putting their confidence in money and because they have a lot of it right now, that does make them less inclined to listen to spiritual things. That's just a reality. We have to accept that that's a reality, and it goes way back in time. 
uh, even in Israel of old, that's the way they were. So I think that's a really good observation. That's a good starting point. Yeah, Al also references the parable of the sower, where the seed was choked by the cares and pleasures of uh, riches. So uh, certainly uh, the, those things that come along with it and can choke out the word. And so uh, that could be one reason why the gospel is not spreading uh, like we would like it to spread. I think that's exactly right. Um if you got a comment, get in on these questions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, and we could also talk about the, uh, the parable of the rich fool where uh, he thought only about his barns, getting more and more things and no thought for God. Uh, that uh, seems to be a problem in America as well. In our abundance, Dad, we don't stop to think about God. Instead, we, we stop to think about how can I get more, uh, more abundance and more stuff. Yeah, so you're, so you're preoccupied with all of that instead of right. thinking about God. We might uh, pick up the rest of Jake's comment there on that question, what's what's keeping us from reaching and converting sinners. He said, I think uh, one reason is the fact that the mass media reports various proofs that there is no God and people blindly believe the media. That's, uh, that sort of ties in, Jacob, with our program last week, wherein uh, we had a national media type guy who was purporting there is no God. Yeah, the people in the media would like you to think that you are backwards and uneducated if you believe there that there is a God, and so it's not it, it's not something that's looked upon favorably in the, in the media today. Yeah, you, you, there's sort of an intellectual snobbery, you know, that looks down on those who are people of faith. If you believe in God, you just haven't used your head. You're just you're just blindly believing what others tell you. When it, actually, I think it's just the opposite. Those who believe what the humanist and the atheists are teaching are the ones who are not really thinking the thing through uh but there is a there's an uh maybe an influence there that keeps people from wanting to seek out god because they've been led to believe that if you if you have faith then you are not a a really intellectual person so there's sort of a snobbery and then jake mentions one more thing he says many of the things that the bible teaches to be sin modern society regards as normal so for a person to accept Christ, they must agree, accept, and repent from the things which are sin, even those that the world allows. Uh, I, I think that he's, he's right there. You know, the idea is, uh, you know, drinking and uh, swearing and uh, dancing and adultery. Im- adultery and immodest dress and, and so forth. Those are all things that the world regards as sort of fashionable that's those those are those are good things in the eyes of the world if i'm going to accept the gospel and become a christian then i've got to go against the trend of the world i've got to say that the things that the world uh, adores i don't adore uh, I, I don't appreciate the things that worldly people appreciate and and it's hard to be different it's just hard to be different. And it's hard for christians to be different we'll talk about that in a little while a lot of christians are beginning to believe the things that the world believes are okay and therefore, if we don't think that the world is in error, then it's hard for us to get excited about converting them. Yeah. So I think Jake has hit upon three really good ideas there, and we appreciate his participation tonight. So what do you think? What are some of the factors? What are some of the influencing factors that are keeping us from being able to reach the people of the world and convert them to Christ? Well, what do you think? I started a minute ago, Jacob, to read Phil's email from Indiana. and Let me get to that. He says more and more people know less and less about God and the Bible. And to this, the powerful grip of the world, add to this the powerful grip of the world, and you have lots of people who have a long way to go to become true disciples of Jesus. I think society is more secular now, and the bridge to conversion is much longer. So Phil's saying one of the reason it's it's harder today is because we gotta we got to pull people a longer distance to get them to where they need to be. The world has become so ungodly and so completely ignorant of the things of god that that it's it's harder you got to do more work and bring them a greater distance in order to convert them, which is an interesting observation you know in the days of the new testament many of the ones who were converted not all certainly but among the jews in particular those who were converted to christianity already believed in jehovah god they already had some conviction about religious things. Even the Gentiles had an interest in spiritual things. They were pagans, they, but they were interested in something they had an, out there. They had an inclination to worship, at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah, but today people are just interested in the pleasures, the 
the hedonism of the day. Yeah. So I think Phil's hit upon a good idea there as to what part of our complicating factor is, and that is that people are just not even attuned to spiritual things. They're they're wholly secular in their thinking. They're completely carnal in their in their in their outlook on life. That means we got to draw them a lot longer, a lot farther to come to Christ, and that makes the job uh, hard. How do we do that? Maybe you can have some. <laughs> Add, add some of your comments to that question and to the questions we're posing tonight. If you're just joining us on the program, we're talking about the gospel and why doesn't it spread like we think it should spread. Why aren't people interested in the gospel? We hope you'll join in on the phone or join in over the email. We're going to take a break and give you time to get on the line. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it. And we're looking forward to your comments. As we talk about the gospel and ask the question, why can't we convert our neighbors? Why aren't people interested in the gospel? What are some things in the world that are hindering the spread of the gospel? And what are some things that could be in your life that are hindering the gospel being spread like it should be spread. We're getting some good feedback on this question. We want you to get in here, uh, send us an email, or, or the phone line's there, and it's toll-free. Give us a call, 877-381-4567. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we got an email from Mark in Florida who writes and says, I find a lot of people, when you are trying to encourage them to come to church, they're looking for entertainment or they expect God to somehow change their lives like bailing them out of debt or finding a nicer house or some other material benefit. And when their ship doesn't come in, so to speak, after attending a few services, they quickly become uninterested. Instead of looking around and reading their Bibles and realizing what God has already done for us and promises to do for us if we live a faithful life. You know, I think Mark's hit upon something there that I think is is a factor. Um, they false religion and 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 religious organizations offering things other than the pure gospel of Jesus Christ has become a detriment to those who are trying to. You preach were talking about that bridge before the break, where you said you think it's you have to pull people farther to get them converted. Well, instead of pulling people, a lot of religious organizations have started moving towards that carnal side of man and uh, started catering to that uh, that carnal uh, physical side of man. That's right, uh, and and that's made it harder. When we're trying to preach the pure gospel of Christ, and there are religious false teachers out there who are who are basically just entertaining, you know, and, and providing uh, sort of a what some have referred to as a poor man's country club for for churchgoers, uh, then that makes it harder for us to appeal. When when we're just sticking with the Bible and we're trying to make the church like the church you can read about in the New Testament, find me a church in the New Testament that had, you know, the kind of things that churches today have. I mean, can you imagine the Apostle Paul uh, overseeing a church softball league? Uh, Can can you imagine uh, Timothy being... A youth pastor in charge of taking the, the 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 young people of the church to Six Flags. I mean, that's just so foreign to what we read in the New Testament. So when we're trying to be a church like you read about in the New Testament, and these other organizations are doing that sort of thing, then it makes us harder for us to reach them 
because people who don't have a, a spiritual mindset are not looking for what it should what should be offered by the church. They're looking for the entertainment. I think Mark has hit upon something there. Yeah, thank you for your good comments tonight, Mark. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion. Let us know what you think is hindering the spread of the gospel. And we just got an email from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee, who says uh, what's causing the problem is greed, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It seems to be the things that are keeping people from being converted. I spoke to a fellow today that when asked if he went to church, said that he was a good guy and wasn't doing anything to anybody. Plus, he said he didn't have time because he was too busy making a living. And so too busy making a living, too round up in the present life, you know, and I mean, that that statement there from Keith uh, really mentions two things. He doesn't feel a need. I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, I don't I don't feel like I'm lost. I feel I'm like not, I'm, yeah, I'm not beating anybody up. Or, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not really lost. I'm, uh, and plus, I'm busy. I got to earn a living. I don't have time to go to church and don't really need it anyway, because I'm a pretty good guy anyhow. And that being the case, he's not searching. So that I think Keith has explained a, a good thing. Thank you, Keith, for listening tonight and for that good comment. Frank in Indianapolis, Indiana, says way too many who say they are Christians are proving that they are not. Or those who see them say, if that is a Christian, I want no part of it. Another reason is there are far too many TV ministers that make it too easy to become a Christian. And we know and we who know what it takes to become a true Christian cannot get the job done of making those who think they are already a Christian change. Uh, what about that? He says uh, false teachers there uh, for one reason. Uh, false teachers are causing uh, people who not to be interested in the true gospel. I think that's right. When people have become prejudiced by virtue of the false doctrines that they've heard and believed, and they become satisfied in, you know, I think that's one of Satan's most effective tools. Satan doesn't care if you're a religious person as long as you're in religious error. And so, uh, you know, those who teach and promote religious error deceive people into believing that they are what they need to be, although they're not true to the scriptures. Then, then they stop looking because they've been deceived into believing a false doctrine. And that being the case, uh, that is a big hindrance to proclaiming the truth and, and converting those who are involved in that sort of thing. Um, in Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, uh, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of christ and there are plenty of people who are perverting the gospel of christ and leading people astray today and it's not a total denial of the bible and the things that the bible says but it's a perversion like in galatians uh what's going on in the first century it's a perversion where the message is changed is watered down is moderated is adjusted to suit the likings of the audience and people blindly follow that, and uh, they by following it, they think everything is okay, but in reality, they're not pleasing to God. That's exactly right. Chris in Lexington, Tennessee, has written and says, People do not think they are lost. People are trusting in everything but God until something bad happens. Remember after 9-11, everyone was talking about prayer. Even the president talked about the need for the nation to pray. More people started going to church, but after uh they started going to church after that awful event, but it did not last long. Right after the tornadoes that went through Tennessee a few weeks ago, the word prayer came back up in the media. But once again, it did not last long. So people don't feel like they have any need. They don't feel like they're lost. Now, if something bad happens, they might mention praying or going to church for a few weeks, but that it won't last because they really don't feel like they have any need. And and I think that is a, an observation that some others have made that, too. I think it's a good observation. And uh, Jake uh, drew our attention to the Old Testament. And looking at the Old Testament history, we see the children of Israel did the exact same thing that uh, many of our country are doing today. No desire to serve God, no interest in God. Till something happens, it shakes them up a little bit. Then they might turn to God for a little while. They'll immediately turn back to the way of the world. I've got one other thing that I might suggest here. I have seen where any of our respondents have commented on this in specific but you know false religion is a problem people deceive by listening to false religion but in conjunction with that the religious charlatans who are out there who have given religion a bad name you know there's been a lot of uh publicity about some notable religious characters who've misbehaved 
and caused uh, a, a real shame against the whole notion of religion. You know, uh, Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and, and a whole bunch of others who have who have gotten a name and had some prominence, and then it was found out that these were actually immoral, corrupt people. And and their influence has damaged religion in general. You know, if that look at that guy, he was a preacher. He claimed to be a religious leader. But look what he did. Look how he was. That, that just that just shows you what religion is like. It's it's just a bunch of hypocrites. And I don't want anything to do with it. That's the, that's the way people react to that. So, false teachers in general, and those who have who are I just call them charlatans. They're fakes. And they've tried to make a name and make money off of religion, and they've been exposed, and that's given religion a bad name, and it's caused a lot of people to say, I just really wouldn't have any interest in that because of that. All right. We're looking forward to your comments. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. What you're saying, Dad, is that people have discounted religion totally because of a few who have abused and have perverted religion. You know, that's... uh, Perhaps some of the reasons why the gentleman we talked to last week, uh, Dan Barker, had uh, become an atheist was because he saw the religion in the world today and saw the abuses of that religion, and so he wanted nothing to do with it. You know, I think that I might join them if 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 the way some people practice religion was all there was. If there wasn't true religion, if you couldn't find if you couldn't find the truth, and if people like some of the religious false teachers and 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 uh, those who've made merchandise of people and so forth, if that's all there was to religion, then it'd be very tempting to join the others and say, well, there's nothing to it. If, it, if all there was was Benny Hinn, you're saying. Yeah, right? You'd, uh, but if you, can, if you can look beyond that and look to the truth of the Bible, you know, fallible men will disappoint you on all counts. Everybody will. There was only one perfect man, Jesus, and all the rest will let you down and discourage you. But if you can look past that to get to the truth of the gospel, cut through the hypocrisy of some cut through the false teaching of others and get back to the true gospel of Jesus Christ and and find the truth of God. Uh, that's what we've got to do. And that's what we've got to encourage people to do who've been discouraged by those things. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567. That number is toll free. Why don't you give us a call or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, uh, we've had some good response to that first question. We've been talking about what's making it hard to convert sinners, and as we've seen, I think there's a number of things that may be a contributor to that. We want to go to that second question when we come back from this uh, half-hour break. Uh, uh, we've got a half-hour to talk about this, and I think this maybe uh, really gets close to home when we say, what are the, some of the things that you and I might be personally doing that could hinder the spread of the gospel. It does hinder the spread of the gospel. Let's talk about. Let's let's get a little more personal. Talk about each one of us. What what are some of the things that I might be doing that could be causing harm? Yeah, the next thirty minutes might hurt a little bit more than the first thirty minutes did. Yeah. So let's talk about that and get in on this. Send us an email, questions at collegeview dot com, or give us a call eight seven seven three eight one. Four, five, six, seven. And we're going to go to our bullet point segment for the week. Dad, I haven't heard this one. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say. All right, check it out. All right, here we go. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It's easy to tell if someone is experienced with hard physical labor. A simple look at their hands will show it. Those who work at such tasks develop thick calluses from the repeated exposure to their work environment. The things that once irritated them and produced sore blisters now no longer hurt them. They have grown accustomed to these abrasives, their bodies have adjusted to them, and there is no more adverse reaction. Sadly, too many Christians have developed a kind of spiritual callousness to the wicked world we live in. We are constantly bombarded by evil of every kind. We see it in person. We read about it. We view it on television. We hear it on the radio. We have unlimited access to it via the Internet and other media. Our neighbors are involved in it. Officials in high office are engaged in it. Initially, all of this evil irritates us. We are upset and disgusted by it. But gradually, by long exposure to these things, we become hardened. We've grown accustomed to the evil, and it no longer bothers us. We have adjusted to it all, and there is no more adverse reaction. We can view the immorality and not be shocked by it. We can hear of the perverted deeds and not be repulsed. We are streetwide. We know about illicit sex, drug abuse, and every sort of wickedness. We talk about them with ease. We have become callous. The Lord does not want us to be this way. He desires us to 
live in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12. He urges us to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Romans 16, verse 19. He commands us to think on things that are pure, lovely, and of good report. Philippians 4, verse 8. Christian, are you keeping yourself unspotted from the world? James 1, 27. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're looking forward to your participation. Thanks for that bullet point, Dad. That was a very interesting and very well, good. Well, something to think about. I think that's something we all got to be on guard about. You know, letting the evil world sort of wear us down, and we get used to it, and we don't get it. We're not offended, and we're not upset by all the wickedness around us. And I've noticed you've been sort of wrapping these bullet points around our topic for the week, and that sort of relates to what we want to talk about next. Yeah, that's right. When need to get into that we want to talk about this question um what are some of the things that you and i might be personally doing that hinder the spread of the gospel let's let's talk about that and let's get your participation give us a call on the phone 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeu.com i think we've got an audio comment from our buddy jim in mount pleasant let's play that comment and uh, maybe that'll uh, spark some thought in you here's jim from mount pleasant Question number one, what do you think is the biggest factor that is making it hard to convert sinners? I think one of the biggest factors is the belief in the denominational world that we're all going to the same place and it doesn't matter what we believe. Secondly, what are some of the things that you or I might be personally doing that hinder the spread of the gospel? Well, one thing that brethren often do is they they don't show people how truly determined they are to remain remain obedient to the gospel and oftentimes let little things, social activities, get in the way of worship and attending Bible study. Uh, this is Jim Walsh in Mount Pleasant. All right. Appreciate Jim for those good comments. I'm going to have to buy Jim a microphone one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that was cutting in and out on us a little bit, yeah. but, it's, but I think he's, he's right on the mark. His first comment, of course, dealt with our first question, and he, and he sort of touched on the same theme that you know, false teachers and the influence of false religion has been de- devastating to try and preach the truth. But he gets to the second point here when Christians don't live true to their conviction, when they say one thing and do another, then that's going to cause people to not be interested in their message. And I think that's really, I think that is the answer. That is the key answer is that when, when people of the world can see folks who are not doing what they claim they're not living as distinct from the world they're living like the world that causes the the, the message to lose its punch thank you jim for giving us that audio comment tonight yeah, i think this could go back to that idea of letting your light shine if we're not shining in the world uh, what is there to draw people to the gospel if we're not uh, lighting the way for them and showing them how how the gospel has changed our lives and uh, and how we're better off for it how can we expect anyone to want to be a Christian? Exactly right. Now, this is what Phil in, in uh, Indiana said. He said, worldliness is the word. If Christians are as much wrapped up in the world as someone who's not a Christian, they will not likely look to us for any guidance about how to escape. So, you know, if if I'm not a Christian, and but my neighbor says that he is, and I'm watching him, he's doing everything I'm doing. You know, I, I hear him lose his temper and, and cuss. Uh, I, I see him drinking beer in the backyard. Uh, I see his his family, him and his family, dressed immodestly. I mean, you know, they, they cavort around in their swimming suits and, and so forth. And, you know, I, I, I've known that he goes places that, you know, are very questionable. What's different about him than me? He says he's a Christian, but I don't see anything different about his life. Why would I be interested in anything he has to say? How how would I how could that possibly have any you know uh, importance to me? Al Sandlin in Florida echoes those comments where he says a lack of distinction from the world in entertainment, recreation, moral values, and conviction that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so Al agrees with Phil that uh, there is no distinction. For many who are trying to teach the gospel to others, there's no distinction from the ones they're trying to teach. 
You know, when the Apostle Paul was writing to two young men who were who were out there trying to spread the gospel, writing to Titus and to Timothy, two young evangelists, he specifically encouraged them about these things. To Timothy, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In other words, he was saying to to Timothy, you've got to be an example. If you're going to teach him, you've got to set a high standard. You, you, you're going to be held to a high standard. You've got to uh, set the right example. And in Titus, he said to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. If you're going to try and spread the gospel, you're going to have to set a good example or people are just not going to listen to what you have to say. That's exactly what Paul was saying to them, and it is true. All right. We're looking forward to your comments. It is also what Jesus had to say uh, to us, as he told us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so we need to ask ourselves, is there anything about our lives that people see that would cause them to think about God and about their need for him. Is our light shining before men? We need to ask ourselves that question, and that kind of question that causes a lot of uh, self-examination, and the answers may not be what we really would want them to be. I think it is. A, I think that is a really key point, and, and I think several who have answered uh, uh, have, have hit on that theme as well. Uh, Let's let's look at some others here. Email Jake uh, in Finland says uh, something that hinders me from reaching others, hinders the gospel, something I'm doing that hinders the gospel. He says, when we say nothing, many Christians I meet nowadays are the sort that they are thankful to God for saving them or so they say, but are unwilling to spread the good news. This is especially usual among those who have, have been have been raised in Christian families, but more specifically in churches that care little or don't care at all about missionary work and or evangelizing locally. We should all be involved in spreading the truth, and we cannot forget that we must spread it in love because it will not reach the hearts of the hearers, uh, because I guess without love it will not reach the hearts of the hearers. What this means is that we ought not to glorify ourselves above our neighbor who is still living in sin in which we too were once living. So, uh, Jake uh, adds another factor, not only if I'm not living right, but then if I'm not speaking up and pronouncing the gospel, I'm not spreading the news, if I won't say anything about it, then that's going to hinder the gospel as well. All right, Jake, thank you again for those good comments on the program tonight. 877-381-4567-QUESTIONS at collegeview.com. Please join in on the discussion tonight. You know, Dad, a lot of times uh, I think we're ashamed uh, to, to speak up or what we believe in, what uh, what God has revealed to us in his word. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, though, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angel. uh, angels. Certainly something to think about there. If we're ashamed to speak up now, will Jesus be ashamed to speak Why up? Why would us? I be ashamed? I'm ashamed. I'd be ashamed because... I, I don't. I want to be like the world. I don't want to appear different than the popular. world. It's not popular. It's not. It's uh, not accepted. And make me look today. like a weirdo. Yeah. If, I, if I speak up for Christ, then I'm going to be considered an oddball, an outcast, and I don't want to be. I want to be in there with with my worldly friends, and so I keep quiet. So that kind of combines both those first elements we've talked about, Jacob. Worldliness is a problem, and because I am worldly and I don't want to look different than worldly people, then I won't speak up. For the truth. And there may be another reason why we don't speak up. Hang on, just a minute. Let me, let me read one more email along that line. Chris uh, has said, this is Chris from Lexington, Tennessee. He says, I need to start talking more to my friends about Jesus. My own selfishness hinders my progress for Christ. I pray that I will do better. Not speaking up, Chris says, we need to speak up more. And that's what we were saying. Thank you, Chris, for those good comments. And Mark in Florida gives us another reason why people might be ashamed to speak up. He says we can hinder the spread of the gospel if we do not, quote, study to show ourselves approved unto God so that we can teach the word of God as mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. You know, I've always said that I think one of the reasons why, people, why Christians don't try to teach people more is because they feel intimidated. They're afraid that, that if, I, if I bring up the subject of religion, let, let's say that here I am and I'm at my workplace and it's coffee break time or lunch time. 
And we sit around the same time. Me and these guys, these same guys, have been sitting around that coffee break table for the last 10 years. And I have not brought up the subject of Jesus. I have not talked about religion. And the reason why is because I'm afraid that if I bring it up, one, they may think I'm a weirdo. But secondly, they may start asking questions that I can't answer. You might start something you can't finish. Yeah, and, and I'd be embarrassed because they start challenging me over what I believe, and I don't have the answers to their challenges, and so I, I just keep quiet. Well, that that's a solvable problem. That's something that we can work out. And the way you work that out is you get busy and you apply yourself. As Mark says, you got to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second uh, Timothy two fifteen. So if I will apply myself, if I'll be diligent, that's how some versions translate that verse. Be diligent to show myself approved unto God, and that diligence would certainly include Bible study and becoming a, a better student of the Word, so that I'm not intimidated when people ask me about what I believe and why I believe it. We talk about worldliness and being a hindrance, and I think that's part of this as well. We know a lot of things about uh, physical carnal things. We know a lot about sports. We know a lot about uh, our hobbies and our and our interests. We're not afraid to start up a conversation, Dad, about a football team or a basketball team that we like to follow. Yeah. Because we know about them and we're comfortable probably, talking probably about Probably spent more time reading the sports page than I have reading my Bible. Certainly. And so I'm better informed about it. People don't like to talk about things that, you know, wherein it might, their ignorance might be exposed. You know, I don't talk about nuclear physics too much. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I'm not informed. I'm not a student of those things. But I could talk about sports. I could talk about weather. I could talk about politics because I spend some time and I pay attention to those things. Well, can I talk about the Bible? Well, only if I spend time studying my Bible, learning the things that are contained therein. And so I think that is definitely a, a point there. I, I'm hindering the gospel cause by virtue of the fact that I'm not as good a student as I ought to be, and it's keeping me from getting out there and talking to people, and that being the case, I can remedy that. I can change that. So Mark's got a good point there. Thank you, Mark, for those comments tonight. Uh, uh, we maybe got time for one more here before we get to another break, but let me read what Frank has said from Indiana. Frank says the main thing is uh, to do – see, I'm not sure I'm reading that. The main thing is uh, that is keeping me from spreading the gospel. What's keeping me from spreading the gospel? The main thing. I'm sure that I do not work at it as hard as I should. I don't take advantage of every opportunity available to me. Okay, so I think that's uh, that's along the same lines. We, we need to speak up. We need to do more, talk to people more. Think about, you know, one of the things I try to encourage everyone to do, and I try to encourage myself to do this, uh, and, and certainly we can all improve, but think about the, your sphere of influence. How many people you think you know? How many people you think you have regular contact with? Well, it'd be in the hundreds, likely. How many of those hundreds? Let's, let's say, just, just, just for sake of argument, let's say 100 people that I have pretty regular contact with of that hundred people, how many are are uh, in a saved relationship with Lord Jesus Christ? Very few, probably. That being the case, I've got a I've got a big pool of 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 people there that need to know what I know and that I could talk to them, and and we and we need to think of it in in those terms. Think of all these people; it's, they're not strangers out there somewhere. These are people I know know well, and they need to know. Uh, the truth about the gospel, and I could be teaching them. And we need to think about it at that level. Uh, we may, we sometimes overlook the the our most likely prospects. We we think about how to reach the stranger in the community that we never met before, and that's fine to try and reach him. But we overlook the people that we have the the greatest potential to influence, and those are the people closest to us. I call that Jacob. I call that the low hanging fruit. We need to go for the low hanging fruit. You know, when you go up to pick the apples off a tree. Which ones do you pick first? Do you pick the ones at the very top of the tree that you have to get a ladder out and you have to balance, you know, and, and, and risk falling over? No. When you go to pick the apples off a tree, you pick the low-hanging fruit first because it's easiest to reach. And that's the ones that we ought to be picking when it comes to the gospel. Now, we can reach those harder ones, too, and we need to try to, but we definitely should not overlook the, 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 the ones closest to us that are the easiest to reach. All right. Uh, good comments. Thank you, Frank, for your participation. Thank you. 
uh, to all of the listeners that we've talked to so far. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. We're going to take one more break. And when we get back from the break, we'd like to hear from you, like to hear your comments. Take this minute to uh, speak up and let your voice be heard. What do you think is hindering the spread of the gospel today? Let us know your thoughts. We'll be right back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Thank you again for joining us on the program tonight. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us, what we believe, what we practice by viewing our website, collegeview.com, or you can call us anytime throughout the week at 877-381-4567. Or you can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com with any questions you might have about the church. We'd be glad to have a discussion with you. We're talking about the gospel and why it isn't spreading like it should be spreading in the world, we think. Um, and uh, we uh, want to look at some of the factors and the causes for that. Why aren't people interested in the gospel? We're looking at ourselves now and looking at characteristics in our lives and asking, could there be characteristics in our lives that are preventing the spread of the gospel? We got a we 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 referenced this email earlier from Keith in Lynchburg. He says one of the things that uh, people personally might be doing to hinder the gospel. He says if we don't go to church and be involved in Bible things in Bible ways with proper authority, people see things in our lives and use that as the standard. In other words, uh, this is along the lines of some of the other things that we've commented, and that is that if I'm not living true to the Scriptures, but but I'm calling myself a Christian. People are going to see that first. I mean, my my neighbor, who's not a uh, a Christian, he's not going to read his Bible first. He's going to look at me first. And what he sees in me, he's going to assume to be true of all Christians and of Christianity in general. And so that's going to hinder the gospel if I'm not living true to my convictions. So I think that's a good point. Keith, thank you. All right. Thank you, Keith for uh, your comments tonight. It's not too late for people to get in and, and send us a comment here. What do you think are some of the factors that uh, that I might personally be doing as a Christian? What are some of the things that I might be doing that's causing harm, keeping me from being able to convert my neighbor? Let's, let's get your input on that. Uh, you still got time to get in uh, before the program is over. I think one reason why that uh, we may not be spreading the gospel like we should is Sometimes you wonder, do people really believe their life's better off as a result of being obedient to God's work? Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, I, I know a number of Christians who are constantly complaining and, and griping about having to make any sacrifice for the Lord. And uh, uh, if, if, if my neighbor perceives that I view my religious service as a burden rather than a blessing, why would he want to take on that burden? Well, and also I think that a lot of people are not better off for trying to follow the Bible because they're not following it correctly. They have just enough religion in their life to make them miserable. They're not totally committed to following God's Word, and so their life is uh, total misery and in, in turmoil because they're torn between uh, the world and between serving God, and they won't get on one side or the other of that issue, and so their life is miserable, and uh, they really don't have any desire for others to want to be uh, doing the same as them because they're miserable because they haven't made a total commitment. That's right. They, like I like the way you put it there. They only have enough religion to make them make themselves miserable because they just burden down with feelings of guilt and, and inadequacy because they haven't really stepped up and lived their life wholly converted and, and devoted to the Lord. And that that is a big problem. Uh, 
in Galatians chapter 5, the apostle Paul said, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Uh, if, if I live manifesting the fruits of the spirit in my life, Others will see that, and they'll want a part of that. But you got to get rid of those works of the flesh to have the fruits right. of the Spirit there like they should be, and then that's the part that people get tripped up on. That's exactly right. Got a, uh, got a comment from Sarah who says hypocrisy is the problem. I think that's probably the the, the single good word that, that does the job there, hypocrisy. If people see hypocrisy in us, it's going to keep them from wanting to do what we're doing. Time for your calls or your emails. Join in on the discussion now. Let your voice be heard. Um, Another thing that I believe that could be a hindrance, something about me that could be a hindrance is if I'm not if I'm not really convinced this is the right and best way. um, You know. If you were a salesman, Jacob, and you were selling a product, but you weren't really sold on the product, you know, people would begin to pick up on that. You know, you've got this to sell, but it's pretty obvious that you're not convinced it's really a great product. If if you as the salesman are not convinced, then people are not going to be convinced to, to buy your product. Well, that's, I think, one way that we could look at this business of sharing the gospel with others. Are we sold on it? Uh uh, if, if the people we're trying to convert do not uh, see that I'm uh, convinced enough the gospel to apply it in my everyday life, then there's little use trying to convince him to participate in that, too. So he needs to see me uh, drawing strength from prayer and Bible study. Uh, he needs to see me applying biblical principles in my family and in my relationship with others on the job, in the community. Uh, he needs to see me willingly making sacrifice to help others. And, you know, if if he sees that I'm really sold on this and that I'm convinced that this is the right way, then that's going to go a long way uh, in reaching others. You know, it's sort of like uh, telling someone that they ought to wear a certain brand of shoe because it's really the only brand of shoe that you should have. When you walk, it will make your feet so much more comfortable. These are the only shoes you should walk in. And you're telling them that while you're wearing some other brand of shoe, uh, certainly there's not a lot of motivation for them to want to take your advice when you're trying to tell them something that you're not doing yourself. And so we've got to be convinced that what we have is the best way and that others should be doing it as well. Um, get in here. Or get, get, give us a phone call. The phone line's been open all night. We'd love to hear you uh, on the phone, 877 877- Three eight one four five six seven, or send us an email. We still got time to take your email. We've kind of worked through our emails here, Jacob, and so we're touching on some other things. But we're wide open for your comments. Uh, one other factor that that I could throw in the mix is one of the things about me that might keep me from doing the best job and sharing the gospel with others is: Am I really convinced they're lost? Am I convinced they're lost? And am I convinced that there is a real eternal hell? Or people who are lost are going to suffer for an eternity. Am I? Am, do I really believe that? If I really believe that, then I'm going to work harder at trying to find a way to reach the lost people around me. Now, Jesus was pretty sure about the reality of hell. He was. He was very definite about the reality of judgment. In Matthew chapter 25, at verse 41, when Jesus was picturing the judgment scene, he said, "Then shall he say." Also to them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 of that same chapter, he said, these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Do I believe that my uh, friend, my co-worker, my neighbor, my acquaintance, my family member who's not a Christian, do I really believe that they're lost and doomed to spend eternity in hell? Am I really, am I really convinced that's true? And if I am, then that that should motivate me to do more. We should spend some time thinking about that person being lost eternally. You know, a lot of times we just sit back and say, well, it's too bad that they're not living like they should. If we thought about the consequences of that and we were convinced of the consequences of what would happen if they did not change and repent, then uh, that likely would motivate us to spread the gospel more. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and I should care about that. You know, that that, that should be something that that I really care about. Uh, I, I should, I should, if, if I 
really care about the conversion of, of my friend or my neighbor, uh, then I'm going to try to get as close to him as I possibly can and understand him so that I can teach him. I'm going to look for opportunities to acquaint him with the good news. Uh, I'm not going to get discouraged if I, if I fail at first, I'll keep on trying. I'm going to look for ways to break down his prejudices and his resistance to the truth. Uh, I'm going to live the very best life I can before him. I'm going to show him the joy of being a Christian. I'm going to manifest the, the peace and strength that can only come from being in the Lord uh, if I'm really convinced that my neighbor is lost and he's destined to spend eternity in hell. I'm going to do the best I can. Exactly right. Let us know. We still have time to take your emails or your calls. We'd like to hear from you on the program tonight. If you haven't joined in already, what do you think about some of the things we've said? Jacob, we we might kind of wrap this up. We've been uh, The theme for our study tonight was, why can't I convert my neighbor? We might spend the last couple of minutes here talking about who is my neighbor. And, we, and of course, the answer to that question comes from Jesus' famous parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. He was asked that question at he, the beginning of that he, parable. That's right. You know, the, the lawyer came to Jesus and said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Luke 10, 25. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Jesus, Jesus said to the lawyer, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In other words, he, he knew that he was supposed to love his neighbor as himself. Well, trying to justify himself, well, if, if, you could, if you could identify who my neighbor is, then I'll do the job of loving him as I should. But who is my neighbor, he asked. And Jesus proceeded to tell the very well-known parable of the Good Samaritan that made it so clear. Your neighbor is anybody within your sphere of influence that you're able to affect for good. That's your neighbor. And so, you know, our neighbor is anyone out there that we're able to reach. It's, it's not just the guy immediately next door to my house. It's anybody that I have the capacity to reach with the gospel. You know, one thing we haven't talked about so far, but uh, certainly could be a reason why the gospel isn't spreading. Maybe we're not looking for opportunities to spread. We're not looking for neighbors. Yeah, that's right. You know, that the Good Samaritan could have done the same thing as the priest and the Levite who went past that injured man before him. He could have just looked the other way. But but he saw an opportunity, and he used the opportunity to do good. That's what we've got to do in, in regards to spreading the gospel and converting the lost. You know, if the Good Samaritan had been like a lot of Christians today, he would have looked at that uh, that man and said, he probably wouldn't be interested in my help. Yeah, he, he, yeah I mean, he probably would rather just keep going like he is. I wouldn't, I'd be sort of ashamed to say anything to him about offering a hand, huh? Yeah, maybe so. That's the way, that that doesn't seem to make sense, uh, but that is the parallel to what we're saying spiritually. All right, it is. And, uh, you know, if we realize that, like the Good Samaritan, Dad, that we have what people are dying to learn and what uh, people uh, need so very drastically, if we realize that, uh, then certainly we would want to help them out and be of assistance. Exactly right. We've got, right. We, we, got have, we have a call, late, call right here, uh, to, right here to the final call, bell. A late breaking call. Uh, let's go down to Florida and welcome Al. I believe we took some comments from Al over email tonight. Hello, Al. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Uh, we touched on it, or you touched on it just a few minutes ago, and the one thing that can be a discouragement to others or is our lack of uh, wholehearted service. Uh, you remember that uh, Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch if he believed with all his heart he, that he could be baptized. And uh, so one of the things that happens is many times people see in us less than wholehearted service. And uh, Greg uh, touched on it a few min- minutes ago with the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. But in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 30, 37, Jesus uh, told the lawyer, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And uh, half-hearted service can be a discouragement and a distraction from having people, uh, encouraging people to serve the Lord. I think you're exactly right, Al. That's that's definitely a problem, and unfortunately it happens way too often. But uh, I think you're right on the mark. How's everything going in Florida for you? Well, going good. Good. Going good. We started preaching down in Osprey. Good, good. Well, it's great to hear your voice, uh, Al, and thanks for phoning in. We're right at the end of the program, but it's great to hear from you. 
Yes, sir. Take care. Thank you, Al, for your call tonight. All right. Well, we had a good discussion tonight, Dad, and uh, do appreciate all of our listeners for joining us. Yeah, I think it's an important subject, and I hope we've said some things that motivated all of us uh, to do more and to do better. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. If you have any questions or comments about what we've said, or let's remind our listeners, Dad, they can suggest topics for the virtual Bible study, something that may be of interest to them, something they think should be discussed in a form like this. Uh, let us know uh, if yeah. you have any suggestions. And we'd still like to get you to send us an audio comment. Go to our website, click on the audio link there, and send us a comment. Just tell us who you are, where you're from, and, and uh, what you think of the virtual Bible study. All right. Be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.